You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast and the Glebe Central Pub. The Glebe Central Pub is your neighborhood pub in the heart of the Glebe. Visit them for great food, great people, and great drinks. Also, the Send Shuttle $17 round trip takes you from 779 Bank Street to the CTC and back. Let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pillar, and I can see from that smirk on Pillsy's face, he's happy that I'm here breaking down a disheartening 6-4 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Ross, I'm glad you're driving the bus on this one because I got pretty sick of uh, whatever highway I've been stuck on whenever it's me and the Leams Martian doing this, but not like this game is any better because I didn't really think there there was a chance here. Like when the Sens got that first goal leading off the game, I thought, okay, maybe this game won't be as bad as I thought. And then it didn't take long. That second period was abysmal. Like it was just awful and the Tampa Bay Lightning get up to a lead and even though the Sens like you put in the title Ross final score masks uninspired disorganized effort it was this game was out of reach like the the goals that's nice cookies for those players Brady gets a little bit to chirp back at the Tampa bench but ultimately Tampa gets the last laugh here in a 6-4 win chirping at the bench and then giving up a goal not seconds later before your goal is announced by the PA announcer, that's Ross. You love being on the other side of that, but then when that happens to the Sens, that is tough. How many momentum goals tonight, Pelzi? Basically, at the end of the first, I think it was 250 left in the first period. Then they get scored on in the first minute of that second period. And then again, they finally bring it to within two. They had all the momentum. I don't know what took more life out of this building because there was a ton of momentum in the third period. Was it the too many men on the ice penalty or was it that Brady Kachuk goal that then they score seconds later? I'm going to go with the goal scored right after Brady Kachuk because that could have been a big moment to rally around, especially Ross. We talked about it. Brady's got to find a way to not get looped into all these fights to defend his honor. And it's not like Tanner Janot is a total scrub, but you're still... Like, that's not Kucherov, that's not Point, that's not Stamkos. Brady is one of the top players on this team. You can't let Tanner Janot bait you into taking a fighting major. So he says, I'm not doing it this time. And then he scores on the power play, gives Janot the, the death stare from all the way across the rink. But you got about, what, 10, 15 seconds of glory as Tampa scores almost immediately after. Glory, they're still down two goals in the third period. They never well, made at least goal. for Brady personal. Like that was him being like, I was smart enough not to fight you and I made you pay, but I don't get to relish in that very long. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The Senators get a far too familiar result this season where their score is well affected. By the end of the game, garbage time. It's 6-4 on the scoreboard, but I think the shot totals and the advance numbers will do more to tell this story. Tampa Bay outshoots Ottawa 37-28. to Each team gets a power play goal. Tampa on three opportunities. Ottawa had four. Tampa wins 55% of the faceoffs. Tampa controls 58% of the shot share at 5-on-5, five five, and Tampa outhits Ottawa 24-16. to This is a goalie-friendly show. And tonight, Ottawa decided to make a goaltending change after the 3-1 goal. What was your thoughts at the timing of that? And how do you find that Corpus Allo played in this game? 
Well, Ross, I feel like this is a rare turnaround for me. Usually I'm the goalie hugger. Usually Martin is saying, Pilsy, how can you say the goalies didn't play bad? They let in five goals here, and usually the chat is giving it to me. But I'm finding it really hard to give the goalies any credit on this one. Like, both of them allow three goals. The issue, like, Corby had a nice start. Like, that first period, I thought he was feeling it. I thought, okay, he's going to keep this team in the game. But that goal by Braden Point, and yeah, I know Braden Point's a good player, but that's that's the type of easy goal that you just can't let in. And then the third goal, I'll I'll put that more on the two defensemen that get beat there at easily by uh, Isamont. And but Corpusal has got to be a little bit more ready for that. I think he just assumed one of those guys was going to get it. Obviously, he hasn't played for the Ottawa Senators very long. If he's assuming two defenders can stop one player on the opponent's team. And I thought maybe it was a little premature, but I think DJ was just like, we got to stop the bleeding as quick as we can here. But ultimately, it doesn't help because Forsberg doesn't have much, much of a better result here. So for once in the postcast, I'm saying these goalies simply did not have what it takes to help the Ottawa Senators get a win here. They got to be better, both of them. Yeah, three goals on 20 shots. Now, I think I could turn that around and say 20 shots. He played 24 minutes and 57 seconds. Like, what are we doing here? Ottawa, after two periods in this game, was outshot 31 to 16. Double in shots on your home ice in what we declared a must-win game, a divisional game. Now they're 1-3 and three in the division. They've got Toronto coming up next. They've got Vancouver next week, the hottest team oh, in the boy. National Hockey League outside of the obvious, you know, the Vegases, the Colorados, all that. It's not getting any easier, but they also have three days off. And in postcast after dark, we will discuss a dark subject, DJ Smith's job. We don't like talking about another man's job. It feels like it's a far too familiar conversation with how things have gone over the last week, month, and and so on in this in this club. But we will have that conversation. I want to see his quotes post game before I really tear into him. But again, the the almost poetry, just like we said, having to give up a first round pick and then Dorian gets canned, a bench minor for too many men on the ice. Say what you want. Parker Kelly jumped. He shouldn't have. But it's on the coach. Too many men on the ice penalties are on the coach. So for that to almost be the final exhale of air, of hope, out of this building tonight, it almost felt kind of poetic. But we'll save that conversation for a little bit later. I want to get a little bit of uh, comedic relief in the postcast tonight. Austin Watson and Zach McEwen fight in the first period. You can take, give me your take on the fight, but... Austin Watson going into the Sens penalty box was just all-time classic. Look, how many fights have we seen Austin Watson step into and just get pummeled? Almost all of them. Like, there's only a few where Austin Watson came out at a tie or, or better. Like, it didn't happen very often. And then you're going, he's going up against Zach McEwen, who, again, don't just take my word for it. Go back to hockeyfights.com and look through Zach McEwen's fights. That's a guy that doesn't win a lot of fights either. So you got two guys that don't have very good records here. And Austin Watson takes care of Zach McEwen so easily. And you know what? I hate to say it, but good for Waddy. That's got to feel good for him to get that one in Ottawa and especially beat the wheels off of the guy who was supposed to be his replacement. Well, maybe he didn't beat the wheels off him, but he certainly won that fight. There's no doubt about that. 
that like that was that's kind of embarrassing. And if you're Zach McEwen, you're brought in. You got you you're one of the players that gets the call up in this situation, and this is your time to shine. And you have that kind of showing up against a guy that Sens fans know too well doesn't win many of his fights. Maybe that's why he only played four and a half minutes, Ross, because I don't think DJ was too impressed with that one. No, he was not. Uh, Adam Rogers asked, DJ fired in how many games? I'm going to let the chat take over for that. When we mentioned that, we'll get to that later. Appreciate you, Adam. Buck writes in with the stats. Buck is bringing the mathematics to the postcast. And man, this this did not pass the eye test either tonight. Travis Hamonick's game, like it's so clear that he's in above where he should be at this stage in his career. I like him as an 11, 12 minute per game defenseman. I think he showed he showed the good of his game tonight, but he also showed the absolute negatives that he brings at this stage. He threw a huge hit behind the net that got the crowd pumped up. He saved a goal with a shot block. Okay, that's all the good I have to say about him. He was out of position all the time. He was ineffective at defending. And the stat, if you're listening to this, Buck writes in that his 4.39 expected goals against per 60 minutes. So that basically means for every 60 minutes he's on the ice, the Ottawa Senators allow 4.39 expected goals. It's the worst in the entire National Hockey League among all defensemen with at least 100 minutes of time on ice. To put him with your young, up-and-coming star defenseman is complete negligence. And it's rubbed off on Jake Sanderson, who himself was bad tonight. Awful pinch on the second goal. Should not be down that low. Makes it a two-on-one the other way. Yeah. But, like, I can't blame Sanderson when he has to continue to look to his right and have no clue where Hamannick's going to be. I mean, unfortunately, Ross, they don't have a lot of other options right now. Like, maybe you could move. JBD's played the best hockey I've seen him play in the last two games. Yeah, that's fair. I would just be a little worried about having JBD have back-to-back-to-back career highs in ice time. But, I mean, not like Travis Hamannick provided a better option. I I feel like giving Hamannick an opportunity to play with Sanderson made sense initially because those those two played together almost exclusively last season. But it's certainly not looking like it works anymore, especially when they have to be the top pair and Hamnick's got to play this many minutes. You know what makes absolutely no sense from a coaching perspective, Pilsy? How much time do we have? We have more time than Nicholas Mattin Paolo and Tyler Clevin played tonight. You cannot play an NHL hockey game and have two of your six defensemen playing under nine minutes. Under nine minutes. Like, one, how the heck are they supposed to get into a flow of the game? Two, you are putting way too much pressure on your top four. Agreed. Mattin Paolo played six minutes and 48 seconds tonight. Like, what are we doing? I don't think he's played. What's what's his high of ice time? Like, I don't think it's above eight minutes, is it? And he he hasn't looked. I mean, he's played two games, Pills. Like, or sorry, two games coming into tonight. So his time on ice played 824 and then 655 against L.A. Yeah, he had but 11, that's he had eleven shifts against LA, and he had less tonight. That is absurd, and it's bad coaching. It's bad. Yeah, it's and especially Ross when you look at this decor, and they're already down three guys, and Thomas Shabbat, Shabbat and Artem Zub, top four guys. So you're looking at those guys, and you're probably thinking, okay, 
if you're missing all these players, you need to be rolling the lines a lot because you're not going to have that stability and that strength on the back end that you're used to. But DJ Smith is really putting a lot of pressure on this top four, like you mentioned. And it seems like it's very obvious that Travis Hamannick is out of place in a top four spot this year, much more than he was last year. And you're right. It's unfair for Sanderson to already have to feel in his second year pro that he has to be the one that shoulders the entire weight of this team. Look what that did to Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat had a similar progression where early on in his career, he was basically forced to have all the responsibility on this decor and he got overworked in meaningless games and it didn't work out for him. And he, that led to him being more injury prone. Also, I'm talking about Shabbat here. So this is a dangerous path that DJ Smith is putting on this decor. And look, obviously you can point to the injuries, but Ross, we've said it. there's no, the, you cannot use that as an excuse this year. This team has so much more depth. They have so much more expectations, new owner, everything coming in here. Michael Anlauer is not afraid to cut guys loose when he thinks they need to be held accountable. And there's a certain seat on the Ottawa Senators bench that is getting very warm right now. Very, very warm. warm. I mean, it, it's 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 too little too late. Like, I almost made it the, the title for the postcast again today, but it's been like four games where it's too little too late. Buffalo, they're down 5-1. They make it 6-4. Then the other night, they're down 3-0 to LA. They make it 3-2. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, if you're just scrolling the scoreboard, you're like, that's respectable. It's not Vancouver, San Jose. It's not 10-1 out here. But it feels like these games are so out of reach that it should be a five, six-goal gap between them. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm at my patience level zero. It's been 301 games, Pilsy. Like, DJ Smith took over this team pretty much when we started the podcast. Like, since Locked On Senators, we did Making Sense of the Sens. One of our yep. last episodes was DJ Smith getting hired. Yeah. We've seen it all, and I, I, I'm done. I'm done discussing how he's he's so like. Like, somebody had a great uh, comparison. I know Joel Quenville, there's a, lot to, there's a lot of skeletons in the closet, but for this is the start of his tenure in, in uh, Chicago. I didn't realize this. Apparently, Denny Savard or, or a legend uh, – a Savard people in the chat can let me know if I'm wrong, but I think it's Denny Savard. He was the head coach there in Chicago and all the players loved him. Apparently Patrick Kane was like in tears in the press conference when he left and Joel Quenville was hired. And then the team just took off. How yeah. uninspired were the Montreal Canadians before uh, Marty St. Louis. And then like a Cole Caulfield and that just takes off. Like I can almost see, you know, that kind of thing with Tim Stutzla, who is just trying to do way too much out there. And it's backfiring. It looks wild. Uh, Buck saying Jack Capuano has to go with DJ as well. We'll we'll have that coaching conversation after. You want to have any final thoughts before we get to some Sense Central standouts? Not an easy game to find standouts for, but we will do it here on Locked On Senators. No, because the, the I want to expand on the coaching thoughts okay. uh, later on. So yeah, let's uh, let's roll through here. Today's episode, all postcasts are brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. We love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub. Go visit them, 779 Bank Street. And when you head there, let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. As we speak right now, there's live music at the Glebe Central Pub. The shuttle is probably just pulling into the Glebe Central Pub, 779 Bank Street. And with that, 
they are bringing some very unhappy people to a happy place. And that's the best way to drown your sorrows after a senator's loss. Go visit them, 779 Bank Street. Head to GlebeCentralPub.com and check out their Send Shuttle that is running on Thursday. It's running on Saturday. Two Canadian opponents. So get your friends, head to the Glebe Central Pub, and head on the Senator's Shuttle. And go thank them for being a sponsor of the postcast. We appreciate the Glebe Central Pub, 779 Bank Street, right in the heart of the Glebe. Today's episode of Postcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. You guys are probably wondering, what is Pillsy doing not in his regular podcast studio rocking a Cincinnati Bengals hat? Well, I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. Beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio, because I score tickets to Sunday night's football game, Bengals versus Bills. And where did I get them? The Game Time app, obviously. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. It wasn't stressful for me. It was easy. And it's not just sports tickets. You can get music, comedy, and theater all near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and best price guarantee. So stop stressing and get hyped for all the fun you're going to have. Unless you're going to the CTC, maybe not that much hype, unfortunately. But forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get tickets to football, Bengals, Hootay, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect before you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. So, guys, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL to get twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute ticket prices, lowest prices guaranteed. Yes, <laughs> yes. Welcome back to the postcast following a six-four Senators loss. To the Tampa Bay Lightning, Pillsy's got the the chat all fired up. A lot of bang, a lot of Bills fans in the chat, Pillsy. So yeah. I know you guys are gonna have a good one. Uh, we've also got the, the chicken conversation ongoing in the chat. Make the sure people you love the chicken conversation. Jeez. Hey, there's probably one comment for every chicken you have so far over <laughs> the past week. All right, six four loss. That's why you head to the postcast after each and every Ottawa Senators game. If you're listening to this on a Sunday. Hopefully the page is turned, reset, three days off, and I'm I'm calling it right now. That Leafs game's must win. Like we're not <laughs> Ross are coming off a must win that they just lost. The Sens are one and three in our must win games. What is this game ten? We've had almost half the games must wins, Ross. I don't know. Well, I'd like some must wins. I think I gotta stop. We gotta stop it somewhere. But yes, Battle of Ontario, the Leafs. Alfie thinks it's must win. He's fired up over there. I'm sure you can convince me later on in the week it's a must-win. But right now, I don't want to talk about the must-wins because they've been dreadful. The Ottawa Senators tonight got some good performances, albeit in garbage time for the most part. Although they did open the scoring for the seventh time in 10 days. Who is your number one Send Central standout presented by the Glebe Central Pub? Look, when times are tough, Ross must win Levitan, absolutely. When times are tough, you need to look towards the leadership. You need to look towards your captain. And sure, still a losing effort, not enough, but I 
no issues with Brady Kachuk's game here. I mean, he gets two goals. The first goal, like I mentioned, they're up one nothing. It's a patented Brady Kachuk goal. He's in front of the net, gets a nice tip on a crispy Matthew Joseph shot. That gets things going. And then he does a great job. you got to commend Brady here because Tanner Janot was pissing him off. And he said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Don't do it, Brady. Don't take the penalty. Let's get a power play here. And then he scores a beauty goal where he just whips it. And it goes off the bar and in on the power play. And then to cap it off, he has a nice assist to set up Drake Batherson for a breakaway that Batherson buries. Uh, he also gets a couple of shots, a couple hits. I'm looking at the stats here. More than a couple shots. Six shots, three hits, plays 21-51. I mean... If there's one thing you can look at from this game, I'm at least proud that Brady Kachuk is the captain of this team because it's tough leading a team that's constantly a part of the wrong side of the score sheet, but he at least does it the right way. And I thought this was a, a classic Brady Kachuk game and a great effort from the captain. A lot of quotes coming in on social media about Brady Kachuk after the game. Not pleased with uh, the fan reaction, chanting for fire DJ Smith, booing them at certain points. At the end of the game, they got booed off Ross. Uh, That did not sound good. And we know for a fact Michael Anlauer is at this game. So you got to wonder what he's thinking when he's hearing that after this game. I've got the exact quote. Shout out to Wayne Scanlon for transcribing this. Whenever you don't win, it's frustrating, and it's frustrating, the constant booing and all the bull that I was going to hit with the train there, but all the bull that kind of comes from the crowd. I understand they're a passionate fan base. I love it, but when you face adversity, you don't turn your back on the guys out there. We're playing hard. I know it's frustrating, but we're not giving up out there. We're fighting until the very end. Thoughts? I mean, I don't really know what else Brady's supposed to say. Like, yeah, I I don't have an issue with that personally. Now, obviously, fans probably have a different perspective. But if you're Brady, again, that's that's the leadership in him. Even when times are tough, he's going to say say the right things and act the right way, in my opinion. So. uh, It just it just sucks. I like that's that's a guy that deserves better. Yeah, he deserves better. There's no question about that. But he has to understand that this team is they're losing at home, which is something at least at last couple of years, their problem was they just couldn't win on the road, but they'd at least show up at home. And tonight, like there just wasn't enough guys pulling on on the rope the right way. And I'm just like we said we were going to raise the bar for this team this year. That's why I'm not letting them off the hook with injuries. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm going back to the fact that four defensemen played this entire game. Like that is just unacceptable. That's just not, it's not a way to win, especially like this is two games in three nights. And apparently there's guys who are sick. So if that's the case, you should be rolling four lines as much as possible and putting a structure in place that you don't have to worry about who's in it. Like you look at Vegas is obviously a, a very like high end example. They've been without Alex Petrangelo, one of the best defense in the league all season and they're undefeated. In injuries have, have never stopped that team. Like, like Mark Stone is constantly injured. Uh, they have injuries all over the board. They're, they have no issue playing with third and fourth string goalies and having those guys take them all the way to the cup finals. Like injuries may be a reason that things are difficult, but they can only be an excuse for so long. Cause at that point, like Ross last year's injuries, that was a valid excuse 
you know, you're not ready for it was like eight injuries at the end. But then the Senators, they bolster their depth. They bring in AHL veterans. They bring in uh, guys from overseas, Mikel, Matting Paolo, Clevin's in the mix now. There's so many other options that the injuries, it can be a reason why things are difficult. I'll accept that. But it cannot be an excuse. It can't be leaned on to be like, well, we lost another one, but guys are hurt. It can't, you can't you can't have that anymore. It's just it's growing old. Uh, it really is. But back to the Sen Central standouts from a six four loss. I've got Claude Giroux. I think that he led by example out there tonight. I thought he was solid. He was moving around right when they changed the lines up at the start of the third period. Really started to click. I thought that he had a he could have had a couple more assists. That great play where he feathered a cross seam pass uh, to I believe Josh Norris back door. Um, it was a, uh, Joseph back Joseph. door. Right, exactly. I thought that that was a, a real slick play that they just couldn't finish off. And uh, he, he was doing everything he could tonight. And I was uh, I was surprised to see, um, you know, maybe not surprised, but I was impressed with Claude Giroux's game tonight. And then Matthew Joseph, we said it. That's our other Send Central standout tonight. I thought his, his speed just makes whatever line he's on as good as it can be. So Matthew Joseph, one assist, two shots on goal, played over 19 minutes. Uh, which has to be near his season high. I'm going to check that out actually right now. Uh, why don't you rip off what the stats were for Claude Giroux in this game? Yeah, Claude Giroux had a nice goal. And what a what a veteran play by Claude Giroux just to be able to get lost in the play. I don't think Tampa was expecting him to kind of slide all the way up and then be wide open for a one-timer. And that's the thing. Like, Claude Giroux, I want him ripping the puck more. Like, he has one hell of a shot. I mean, he took a slap shot on a breakaway, for God's sake. Like, this guy can rip it when he wants to. So, I want to start seeing some more of that from Claude Giroux. And then you mentioned it, but I'll reference it again. That smart play where he fakes that he's going to pass back to the point for Chikrin. But then he has the hockey IQ to spot uh, Matthew Joseph on the back door. Not only spot him, but hit him with a nice pass that I don't think Joseph is quite ready for because he can't capitalize on it. But And then Claude Giroux doing what he does, doing a great job in the, well, great, maybe he's a stretch, but a good job in the faceoff dot. Eight for 15, above 50%. Matthew Joseph's 1904 is the most he's played in either this season or last season for the Ottawa Senators. So, oh, wow. Okay. And then looked back and he played more. Then uh, 1904 in three out of the 11 games after he got traded to Ottawa. So at the end of that year, remember yeah. Norris and Kachuk, um, he, he was, uh, he, he looked good in that short sample size. But yeah, tonight, 1904 looked good. Two shots on goal and, and really controlled play while he was out there. So those are our Central standouts in tonight's game. Let us know in the comments who else you think deserves some Send Central standout love. The Senators lose 6-4. to four. We'll have plenty more on this game on Monday's Locked On Senators. If you are in the chat, stick around. If you're listening to this, then why don't you go home and turn on the YouTube or throw us on in the car wherever responsibly or um, safely, I should say. If you're in the car, don't be staring at the screen. I know Pillsy's big B on his forehead. B for Brandon is, uh, is right in front okay. of you, but... We got some after dark coming next. So stay tuned for that. It's a 6-4 loss for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been another disappointing edition of the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast and the Glebe Central Pub.